0: It's timely, it's insightful, it's motivating, it's
1: empowering. It's Time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges mindsets and paradigms that hold us back. Podcasts can be heard on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. And you can also watch live on Facebook and YouTube. Today, I have with me a very special guest in the person of Laura Farenholt, who's going to be sharing a powerful story about something that happened to her in 2009. Laura, thank you for coming on the Time with Fred podcast.
2: Thank you, Fred.
1: And will you tell us a little bit about who you are, just a brief background to our audience who are listening tonight?
2: Um. Who am I? Well, (laughs) I think first and foremost, I'm a mom to what I call two eyeball rolling teenagers. Um, Professionally, I was a uh, crime reporter for the New York Daily News for a long time, and a private investigator, a press secretary for the government, and the local city government where I live, and a longtime editor at Women's World magazine. So I'm a journalist. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and I just wrote a book called The Pink Steering
1: Wheel Chronicles, mm, which we're going to be hearing a bit about today.
2: Yes. Um, it's published by Penguin Random House in Hatherley.
1: Uh, there's a powerful story behind that book. Uh, but, Laura, there are moments when we all wish we could have over and over again. Uh, sometimes moments when everything changes, right? And for you, this was that day, that fateful day of 20. November 25th, 2009. And this was a day when your world was turned upside down. And this all happened Mm. with one phone call. What happened on that day, Laura?
2: Well, it's definitely the phone call that you don't want to get. And typically people say, you know, are you sitting down? And then you think, oh dear. Um, But I had gone out to dinner with my girlfriends and my husband was home. Um, He had come home from work and he hadn't felt well. And it was pretty much before cell phones were attached to us at the hip. But he insisted upon getting me a cell phone. It was in my purse and I heard it ringing, which I can't even believe I heard it ringing because the music was really loud. And if I hadn't heard it ring, life would have been completely different. Um, But it was him and uh, he said, you know, Laura, I'm sick. Help me. And I thought, oh God. You yeah, know, he as like a big, strong guy. he was a journalist. He'd been through 9 11 and all kinds of stuff, and he never panicked, but I heard panic in his voice.: huh. So I raced home. You know, I blew through traffic lights, and I just I knew that there was something was wrong, and I came in and he was dying of a heart attack.
1: What did you do? I mean, when you, we came home and, and, and you saw him and, and you had two girls at the time who were also home, correct? Yes. So how how did that scene play out? I mean, you got home and your husband was struggling and, and, and what did you do?
2: Um, I did everything I could. I gave him CPR. I had 911 on the phone. Um, but there was no way. Only 8% of people who have heart attacks, outside of a hospital, even, you know, they, they don't live. Only 8% do live. And I think it's 24% who have a heart attack in the hospital even survive. So my odds were not good. It's saving and him. Um, but I tried.
1: So. And you're, you, you wrote, you described the experience in your book. Um, and I quote, you, you, you're either the deep expulsion from his lungs. He was struggling to get back on his feet staggering falling face down on the floor as he collapsed under his own weight, never to get back up. At that moment, everything stopped. The air shifted. It became lighter. It became spotty like the dots on an old black and white TV. You felt your body being lifted, floating up the attic stairs. Sort of flying, sort of an out of body experience. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Your reactions to that?
2: It was intense. It made me a believer that, you know, the same as when you're born, right? You, you know, you enter the world and I believe that in the same as in death, you enter a different world. Cause I could feel it and hear it and see it. And it was
1: just like And while all this was happening, your your two girls were in their rooms and they were they were screaming, and mm. you told them not to come out, right? Because you didn't want them to see yeah. what was happening to dad. And what was going through your mind? As yeah. You, were... it's,
0: it's,
2: you know, it, those kinds of things that happen to us seem like they take hours, but it was really only about six minutes before, you know, the fire department and the paramedics and everybody came. But it was too late. I mean, he was gone the second he hit the ground.
1: At that moment, did you fear, did you think that your worst fear might have come true at that moment when he hit the, when he hit the ground?
2: You know, it's one of those things where I think your mind just won't, it's too much to accept at once.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So... You know, I think we all hold on to hope, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, you, you write that that night, it felt like you got caught up in a time travel vortex as your spirit unknowingly willed itself to follow Mark to the hereafter. Uh, and while this lasted only a few seconds, the reality was that it took you about four years to return. What did you mean by that?
2: I think, you know, if you're if you're traumatized, uh-huh. right? Um I, I don't know how to explain it, but you just are a little suspended in life. Uh-huh. You know, you don't feel like you have a full grasp. It can be overwhelming, you know, to see a bunch of traffic coming down the street or just to really like re enter the world, if that makes uh-huh. sense. Uh-huh. Everything's changed, right? yeah so
1: how old were your goals
2: back then? They were um eight and ten. Wow, yeah, so it was tough.
1: really understand what was going on with their dad?
2: Well, you know, I'm a big believer in just staying straight. And not being like, oh, dad's playing harp with the angels in heaven. But that was the hardest thing, you know, to tell your kids yeah. that their dad was, you know, and I said the word dad, he's dead. He's not coming back.
1: And sometimes kids as young as that age, some of them are not able to grasp the reality um, mm-hmm. of, of death, right? But did they understand when you told them that? How, how did they react to that?
2: I think you know they understood. They grew up with two journalist parents, and they weren't. Um, they had heard different talk than maybe other families. Like if you were a doctor, you would have certain conversations, or if you were a school art teacher, you know whatever it is. So, um, I think I think they understood. But it took us all a long time. Like when I said it took us four years to return, but that was. Um, both literal and not
1: absolutely and and you're right that when the doctors told you this was after they're taking him i guess to the hospital and you were there when the doctors told you that he was this was his friend had come and you heard his friend crying and, and you knew it, it confirmed your worst fears right and
2: mm-hmm. when the
1: doctors told you that he was dead it was hard for you to believe you you described spending time talking to him checking his pulse, and i guess wanting to validate right? Uh, What were you trying to accomplish?
2: I don't really know, except that, you know, you don't want to believe, Mm -hmm. right? So you need to check for yourself and be with that person or, you know, do whatever it is. So I just wanted to spend time with him. Mm. Rather than having somebody tell me that I had to say goodbye, I wanted to just
1: be with him quietly. Yeah. Did you find peace at that point after that?
2: Um, No, <laughs> honestly, no. I mean, I think that the thing that gave me peace and looking back at it was the, if you will, like the spirit separating from the body. It's almost like when you're pregnant, you know you you have a baby, but until you give birth and it mm-hmm. becomes real. So it was like a, Birth, mm-hmm. so that was the thing that gave me peace. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you and your girls um, got into the RV, right? And this is what your book's about. And you decided to drive thirty-one thousand miles across the country with your late husband's ashes. What prompted that, or what was the um, what was the motivation behind that?
2: Well, I think we're all pretty traumatized. Um, And it was, you know, it was really tough to be in the same house and to have to go back to school and go back to work and, you know, have everybody checking in on you, which I really appreciated. But, you know, it was that suspension of reality, like you had to continue on with your life, but nothing was the same. Um, And I didn't want his death to define them, you know, to make them feel dipped. Well, of course, it would feel different, but like not to be victims of it. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought it would be good if they got out of where we lived and if we went camping. So I was like, okay, we're going camping um, out west, which is something I've never done. Um, And I was really scared, but we did it. And I brought his ashes with us because I didn't want to leave him home in case something happened. And like the house burned down or somebody broke mm-hmm. you know yes. so i brought him with us um on this tent camping trip and it ended up it's just one of those silly little things that happened i was walking to the outhouse in the middle of the night and i was terrified So was like, mm-hmm. like some flannel toothless killer was waiting you know so i brought the box of ashes with me just you know mm-hmm. it was like protection or whatever um not that he would do anything because um, and then I tripped and the ashes kind of flew out and I thought, Oh gosh, he wants to get out of this box. Like mm. I should do something with him rather than keeping him trapped in there. So it just turned out that, um, we saw an RV on the side of the road and, I was really bad at pitching the tent and we were wet and drowned and tired and cold. And I was so sick of cooking on the campfire and everything. So we bought this RV and we ended up just, you know, taking it out for almost five summers and traveling around the United States and Canada. And that was kind of our thing to sprinkle his ashes in different places. But what I was doing was kind of building the girls up without them really realizing it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let's go climb that mountain and we'll bring dad and sprinkle him. And Mm -hmm. then they got into it. They're like, oh, we could go kayaking and sprinkle dad. And so it just became not a game, but a a reason to do the trips. Mm -hmm.
1: Did that that help bring closure um, to what happened?
2: I think it helped separate us from our, you know, our famous adventures. You know, I always like to say that they got to climb mountains that were taller than their six foot Mm -hmm. four dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Closure, but also, you know, lots of adventure. so that, you know, when they looked back on their lives, they could be like, Oh, you know, this job interview isn't so bad. You know, I changed an RV tire when I was 11 years old on the side of, you know, a dirt road kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was trying to build them up.
1: Yeah. And, and you're, I know this has been a while, but I, I imagine there's still memories, right? We just, you know, celebrated on Father's Day. Um, mm-hmm. Are the memories um, of your husband that, I'd imagine, yes, right? That, that continue to, uh, that you experience um, in your girls?
2: i mean absolutely um you know it's funny how you could show a kid a picture that they might not even remember but then it gets logged in their brains and they do remember it Mm
0: -hmm.
2: so um there's a lot of that you know there's a lot of talking a lot of stories that people tell but it's you know we definitely don't live in the past Mm -hmm you know, we're, we're all older now, yeah. you know, I've got one who's a senior in college um, and that's the wonderful. other one is working on tall ships, America. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. So she's a deckhand and she became an EMT and she wants to go to med school. So, you know, there's a lot that's transpired between then and now.
1: That's awesome. Well, I, I'd imagine that one's experience or one's perspective on life, uh, changes after after an experience like this. How has this experience shaped uh, your view of life? Or has it at all?
2: Um, it's made me realize, as cliche as it sounds, that it's important to do the things you want to do and maybe not get so hung up on money or prestige or you know, what the Joneses are doing. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it makes you look at things a lot differently.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, maybe a little bit to a detriment because you can kind of see through things a little more,
1: Yeah. you know? And so if you were to, if we were to turn back the hands of time and, and you're reliving this knowing that say in the next few days or so, um, you know, your husband was, was there anything that you'd have done differently? knowing that this was inevitable?
2: Um, that's a good question. I might have appreciated him a little more, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, cause you never think that your husband helps with the housework or, you know, whatever. And then I realized he actually did do stuff. Like I hate taking the garbage out. I hate shoveling the snow. So, and so did the girls, so we take, and they used to do when they were little, it was so cute. Um so we take all the mats out of the cars and we lay them over the snow so we don't have to shovel, (laughs) (laughs) you know, things like that. Um, But I think it's human nature to take for granted. You know, you think that you're going to go to bed at night Mm -hmm. and everything will be the same in the morning and it ain't true. So there's one thing that, you know, all the old ladies say is you never go to bed angry. That's right they're right because you think about those last things you said to your loved one and imagine if they weren't polite
1: you know you 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 touch on this important um point uh laura i was taping um last week's actually last week's episode of my podcast and it was about anger and i taped that from a a point of reflection right considering the anger that so much filled our our society from everything that's happened and, and even down to our individual uh lives. I a friend of ours who we've known, you know, great family that we've known for a while had, you know, had some challenges and uh relationship really was just um uh, just had to end all because of anger, right? But one party just it was just Uncontrolled anger, and it was just one after the other, and it got to a point where um, the wife had to just separate. And it's in hindsight, you know, there were he realized it, and he was trying to reconcile and, and calling back, and but a lot of harm had been done. But you talk about not going um, to bed while angry, and it, it reminds me of the scripture um, that says. Um, do not let the sand go down on your anger. I think it's Ephesians four twenty six 26 and 27 says, do not let the sand uh, go down on your anger. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in that, especially as it relates to personal lives, right? Because you just don't know what tomorrow uh, may bring, right? Does that does that make sense?
2: Exactly. Just, you know, your daily interactions with people, if you're upset with a cable company or, you know, whatever it is we I think we, or, you know, when people beep their horns on a Sunday morning, if you don't move your car like two seconds at the stoplight, you know, I think we all just need to take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I learned is just, you know, to take a breath, take a pause and look around you and see what you have mm. and water it or weed it, but, you know, do something.
1: Yeah. And imagine, uh, Laura, there are so many fragile relationships, right? Whether it's a spouse relationship, mm-hmm. you know, parent and kids and, you know, folks not talking to each other um, and, and holding anger, right? Not knowing, um, you know, what tomorrow holds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, knowing, you know, given what you experienced, right? I mean, you lived it. I mean, you didn't know that this was going to happen. Uh, there's probably someone listening to this right now, Laura, who maybe, you know, maybe relationships that are severed or, or families that aren't talking, Uh, what words of wisdom would you want to pass on uh, to perhaps someone listening to this podcast or watching us right now? What do you say? I know you kind of touched on it, but um, I think people, people need to hear it, right? It's one thing just knowing, I mean, there's that realization, but what would you tell them? I mean, you live, you've lived through it, right?
2: You know, you always hear about how people get back together on the deathbed. You know, you go visit the parent that you had the falling out with, or, you know, we go to people's funerals, right? But we haven't seen them in 15 years. Why do we do that? I think we should, you know, go make an effort to keep your relationships, right? And if, if there's a problem with one, I mean, I've done it. I was the bigger person in a relationship um, with a family member and i was so scared to go to this wedding because i knew she would be there and she but i just walked up to her and i hugged her and i wouldn't let her go Mm. i just kept hugging her and within a couple minutes we were both bawling and now we're friends
1: Mm. it takes one person right to be to be the, the big person, right? Um, it, it takes one person to take that step. Perhaps sometimes it's, it's a feeling of pride. I don't want to, I don't want to show my weak side and, mm-hmm. but it takes one. And in this case you were, you decided to be that, that, that bigger person and, um, mm-hmm. saying, look, I, I don't care what's happened <laughs> in right. between us. I'm going to go ahead now. How difficult was that for you to, to be that big person, to, to be the one to initiate, uh, that attempt at, at reconciling or, extending that olive branch so to speak
2: well we can all you know i think it's all ego right so if you Mm -hmm. put your ego aside and i'm not saying i'm always the big person but in that particular instance something had to give and i knew that i had to be the one to give in order to you know
1: unfracture this relationship yeah yeah And how did that make you feel? Did that, how how did that make you feel like? I still
2: have tears in my eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we just have to be kinder to each other. It sounds so snappy and silly, but we do. I mean, look at everything we're going through now. Yes. Is is a nation. It's.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you touched on exactly you know that right. There's there's so much fragmentation. There's so much anger. Yeah. There's and for all the right reasons, I want to be careful. Um, there's, you know, this divisions and, 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 injustice. And, and I do understand that we have to cry for, or we have to fight for injustice and stand for what we believe is right. But underneath all that or behind all that veneer, there's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of, um, what are we to do? Right. I mean, here you are, we're, we're, we're living this. I mean, I haven't met you. I, I read your story and I was so inspired by it. And I, I reached out to you, and and you were and you greed. and and I want to say thank you for that. But I, I think there's, that's really how the healing starts, right? I mean, in spite of, you know, what folks may be going through, in spite of what the underlying, it takes that one person uh, to build this reach. Because again, coming back to the story, which we're not digressing from, but life is fragile, right? It's not it's not guaranteed. To any one of us, um, they say, yesterday was a. Was what it is saying. Uh, t- today is not gu- tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is a promissory note, right? We don't know whether that's gonna be, uh, it's going to be it's going to be available to us or not. So the only the only the only opportunity we have really is today, right? So how do you live life now, Laura? I mean, you've 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 had a lot of, I guess, wisdom and experiences from what happened. But what's what's your, what's your philosophy in life, Laura? If I can ask you that question,
2: that's a good question to ask, Papa. I don't know. Um, Good question. What's yours?
1: My philosophy, um, it's changed really over the years because they're, um, depending on what what stage of life in which you are. Mm -hmm. um, But mine's really, um, it's to live in the moment. It's to appreciate who you have, right? I mean, this whole COVID-19 experience and, you know, you, you see people who've died and, uh, the, the The job losses and all of that and is really to to be thankful right it 's not perfect um, but i 'm thankful for today i 'm thankful for the for the little things right for the ability to wake up in the morning and and just breathe because I realize I try to put things in perspective and realize that not everyone has it that way. Um, I have a family i have you know wife and and two adorable kids and and there's love. Uh, we love each other. Um, things may not be perfect. We have our own challenges are things that are happening all around us, but we try to be thankful. We try to be grateful for what we have uh, and try to make the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's in this moment, that's, that's what it is. It may change a year from now, depending on where we are, but, um, but for the season in which I am right now, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's, that's my philosophy.
2: I like that word, the season. I mean, hopefully, good comes out of COVID, and that we've all pretty much been stripped of what we know, right?
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: And maybe this will help us be more family oriented, and you know, not as materialistic as we can all tend to be. And yeah. All of that. So.
1: Yeah. And and that's and that's that perspective, right? I mean, we can focus on. All the bad things that are happening, um, and again, not to downplay anything. I mean, there a lot of people have died, um, and people are still, you know, catching this. People are still not, you know, in the hospital. Uh, but in spite of all that's going on, what what good can we can we find out of that, right? And that's that, that's how I see things. I'm the glass, you know, half full kind of guy. Um, uh, I'm realistic, but but I try to see things from a from a different perspective, right? I I tried, Okay, what what can we learn out of this, right? What good can come out of this? And and a lot of good things have. I mean, we're we're not seeing it because, of course, all we're hearing about is, is the bad stuff, right? That's media. But but there's a lot of good things, uh, and that's and that's that perspective. Uh, but one question, Laura, that I like to ask um, everyone I talk to um, is is what what defines you now, right? Having experienced uh, life and things that. A lot of people have not experienced. Um, what would you say defines you?
2: Well, I do have to say, I don't look at the glass as half full. I look at it as completely empty. Mm. <laughs> Why is that? I just do. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a half glass full person. I look at it as empty, and what can I put in it mm. to fill it up?
1: That's another powerful perspective that I haven't thought about before
2: i mean i might be a little negative maybe a little snarky maybe a little jaded maybe a little hurt you know all of those things so i'm not i mean i'm definitely a fun optimistic you know i'm gonna go get them girl but i i'm not you know tiptoeing through the tulips Mm -hmm. if that makes sense
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so seeing the glass as empty (laughs) <laughs> brings the best out of you, right? This is empty. Yeah. What can I do? to I like that. I like that. I mean, I don't see that as negative at all because sometimes the opposite is also always also true. If it's empty, if it's half full, ah, you know, there's a little bit of water in here, so I'm, I'm okay, right? But if you see it as empty, then it brings out the best in you. I like that perspective. Thanks for teaching me that lesson. I didn't think about it that way.
2: Why well, didn't even? I never really put that into words until you asked me the philosophy, and I'm like, I wonder what that is, and I you know i can't i the glass is empty yeah but today it's a little full there was a mouse (laughs) that um got into the garbage can right like it was Mm -hmm. in the garbage can and my friend wanted to you know get rid of it I said, oh, don't do that. Let's just put it back in the yard. And I'm really afraid of mice. I don't like them.
1: <laughs> I don't either.
2: <laughs> I mean, I have glue traps at home and I'm like, whatever. But up here in the country, I said, let's just let him go. So we let him go. And I felt kind of good about that. And guess what? He came back to the garbage can today.
1: It's a motivated mouse. It's, it's, it's it a motivated mouse.
2: Yeah. But I felt so much better by not making it you know go bye-bye <laughs> right? so, I mean, the mouse the mouse has a purpose and that is to be let go run back wherever he's going get back in the garbage can he's got something to say so he filled my glass today i really like i kind of fell in love with him
1: interesting perspective i'm hearing all sorts of things today that i haven't <laughs> thought about before <laughs> <I know. laughs> bringing bringing us back though um what defines you? What has defined you? What, what, what keeps you going? What, what, what gets you up in the morning and what, what keeps you going? Um, uh, it's, it's part of all that's happened, um, in the past.
2: Hmm. Well, what gets me up in the morning? Good question. I mean, it's not really work. I think it's just to see what happens.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? You see what happens with the day. Um, I'm not a big career person anymore. You know, I I gave all that up. Um, Not that I'm loaded. In fact, I'm not. Um, You know, it's more about experiences with people now. Like I I started an Airbnb at my house um, because I wanted to just be around other people and Mm -hmm. see what they had been through in life and what they do and what they bring with them and, you know, just learn from them. So I did that for about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, And that definitely got me up in cleaning. Um, So, you know, it's just, it's much slower now. My husband was a big journalist at Bloomberg News um, who was in the middle of suing the Federal Reserve during the housing crisis, because they weren't opening the um, bailout books, that they had earmarked money from taxpayers to bail banks out in the event that banks went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And um, they wouldn't reveal the information even though they're supposed to because of something called FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. So he ended up um, suing them through Bloomberg And the case went up to the Supreme Court where it was being fought because they didn't want to rebuild the information. And that's when my husband had died, you know, major stress. Hmm. Um, So after that, I was just like, "Mm, work stress, not so great. Yeah. You know, there are other ways you can do it Um, and still have enough to pay your taxes and you know put food on the table and everything without killing yourself
1: yeah and, and you talk about work stress or or just stresses uh from life in general and and, and we all are like we we work hard and we're trying to you know you talked about keeping up with the joneses we want to check all the boxes and but in the grand scheme of things right i mean you've lived it you've led that busy life and your husband lived it too and now you're you're just living right so as we as we bring this one end here Um, what's important to you now? I mean, in life, what do you, what do you, what brings you satisfaction um, in life now? I mean, you're winding down and just, just enjoying life. What's, what's important when it comes to life or what, what should we be concerned about? Really? um,
2: I wish I had those answers. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever it is that you really enjoy doing, I guess. You know, and taking time to do those things. Yeah. You know, we're all affixed to our screens and, you know, gone digitally insane and everyone's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I sound like an old lady, but I like gardening now. And we have pet chickens, um, you know, just simple things, building a campfire up at the cottage that I'm at, um, Mm -hmm. seeing friends. Yeah. You know, we, we all got together last night and I made socially distanced, you know, fried chicken and apple crisp. Like I would have never done that before. (laughs) Right.
1: Just enjoying, just enjoying, enjoying life. Right.
2: Yeah. I think the one Mm -hmm. thing I always love to say is that, um, the big things are the little things in disguise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree. Laura, where can, uh, where can our audience, um, find, find your book? I know it's on Amazon, right? I mean, it's,
2: it is. Um, it was in people.com. It was featured three days ago, which was so exciting. Um, and it's published. I said by Penguin Random House, the pink steering wheel chronicles um, it's on Amazon and, in you know, local bookstores, whatever. And then my second book, the Airbnb Chronicles is coming out in April. So that's really fun because it's like a look inside of an Airbnb and, you know, these people's lives and all the cool things they've done and how that affected our home.
1: Laura, thank you so much for uh, coming on uh, tonight and sharing your, your story. I mean, I I can see the, um, that's not a lot of pain. um, That's not a lot of anger, right? You're certainly, taking life as it comes and I, I i like the lightheartedness um albeit not know that things are always easy but just to opening up and, and and sharing your your story I, I know i know a few people who've actually been through this and um it's, it's never it's it's never easy i haven't been through it so i can only imagine what it feels like but um but i'm sure someone who's watching who may have experienced this has gotten a few nuggets uh some inspiration some timely lessons out of this and I want to say thank you for, for coming on and uh, we'll definitely check out your book. I read an excerpt on Amazon. I'm going to go ahead and get it because so I want to get get a full story. Now, I'll keep an eye out uh, for the next book as well. But if you're watching, listening, um, uh, Laura Farenholt, her book's out there on Amazon. If you want to read the whole story, uh, definitely um, check it out. And until we come your way next time with another edition of Time with Fred, thanks for tuning in. Goodbye.